Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Super excited to have you on. And if you see my background picture, that's someplace I was and took the picture of St. Lucia, just so you know. Yes, that is super cool. (laughs) So to start, go ahead and tell me about um, your parent who served, what branch, things like that, and kind of what it was like growing up as a military child. My dad was in the Navy. And he had um, what they call broken service. So he got out a couple of different times. Yes. Um, but we moved a lot. So at six weeks old, um, we went to Korea for two years. So I've been traveling ever since following him around. Um, when I was in high school age, he said, okay, he got out and started a business that that failed in Northern California and said, rather than going back in the military, he took a job with Bell Helicopter International. And so another overseas branch was Iran, Tehran. And I would have been there for all of high school, but a civil war messed that up. Right. So then bounced around a couple more high schools. And then he said, okay, I'll just go. If we're going to move around this much, I'll just go ahead and reenlist. And he wound up and I graduated high school at the air station in Bermuda. So wow. 23 school systems oh my and goodness. six of those high schools. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of the consummate Navy brat. Yeah. You mentioned break-in service. My dad had a break-in service as well. Um, it was basically all throughout my um, childhood years. So um, he got out of the Army. Um, he was a Navy brat. His dad was in the Navy. Um, but he got out of the Army when I was – Uh, Just a baby. I was like a year, year and a half old, and he took a medical discharge because of a knee injury. And so he he got out then, and then in 2010, they cleared him. Um, You know, of course, he wanted to. It didn't take, you know, seven years to clear him. But um, in 2010, he was like, I want to go back. Like, I miss this. Like, I miss the military life. It's not – you know, civilian life is not the same. So he yeah. went back in, they cleared him, he got it all situated and taken care of. And then um, I had just a couple years as a military brat, kind of, you know, um, we didn't even really move. He deployed and ended up getting injured over there. He stepped on an IED in Afghanistan. Yes. So we ended up moving to Texas for his recovery and then he he retired. So most of that break of service was you know, when I was a child and then he got right back out, um, you know, five years, uh, within five years of getting back in. So I didn't even have much time as a military child, you know, growing up and things like that. So I just know it from my experiences and then talking to my friends and, uh, their experiences and things like that too. Yeah. My, my dad served in uh, Vietnam, Korea, where we first lived, he was there as advisory duty. So one of the cool things as a baby, and my mom had pictures, is 
they went and because of his duty station allowed mom to go. And because I was a baby, they didn't allow any kids there, Mm -hmm. but I was on the DMZ. Wow. So I was on the DMZ in Korea, probably the youngest person ever there because of the situation where mom was allowed and because I was a babe in arms was allowed to bring me and she actually sat me down. So I actually sat (laughs) (laughs) on the DMZ as a, as a infant. Oh my goodness. Um, type of thing which is a uh, cool um and that's one of the questions a lot of people ask me it's like you moved around so many places would it have been nicer to not mm-hmm. and my answer to that is i have a distinct memory and in the case of korea i remember a few words in korean and have pictures but all the places even as elementary school that i lived i've got at least one super positive remembrance that I won't want to get rid of. And that's that's the problem is is yes, there's things going on with it, but what would I have missed out on? Right. So so it's like, no, and it gives me kind of a unique world perspective, having lived in all four corners of the United States and all over the world, and viewing everything from economics to to politics. Right. Yeah, it's so different. Which I tend to stay out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just better to stay out of politics. But it's so interesting, you know, moving all around and, um, you know, experiencing the different cultures and cities and uh, just, you know, different ways of life in each country and each city. Yep. Where um, do you have like a list of where you've lived or um, do you have like a favorite place you've ever lived? Things like that. Oh, my goodness. Um it's funny because if you like, say, the West Coast, it's like I've got several greater Seattle area in Washington State and and then up in Grand Coulee Dam area of Washington State and over in Spokane, Washington State, and then, then um, south of Washington State going down the coast is like down to um, um, Oak Harbor and going down into... Um, Portland into Oregon and Ferndale, Fortuna, and Eureka, Northern California, and Oakland and San Jose, California, and Cypress, which is Orange County, California, and San Diego, California. That's just the West Coast wow. of the U.S. Um, um, yeah. Um, um, I've lived in in Virginia and Maryland, um, up in Massachusetts and Fall River. Um, and I'm down in Daphne, Alabama now. So Alabama area. So four corners of the, uh, all four corners of the U S and then I, um, overseas, um, some time in England, that was a short time in England, but, um, and spent some time with my dad in Germany, um, after he had retired, um, a short time in those two places. So semi lived slash extended visits, um, Italy for 10 years. Korea as a baby, Iran as a teenager. And I graduated high school in Bermuda, from the Naval Air Station Bermuda, where then I worked for a year after graduating high school as well. So um, I think I've hit everything, but I could have easily left something out. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds to me like you've hit everything, but that is so insane. That's a lot of places. And and that has has prepared me for my career because of owning and running the travel agency that I do here in 
and, and, and Daphne and uh, have eight people that work for me that several of them are military brats around and they're spread out throughout out the world, including my son, who still lives in Italy. Um, my ex-wife mm-hmm. is Italian. I met her there. We came back to the States, went back over there, and then we got divorced. So 10 years total in Italy um, uh, over there. And so he is even an agent, one of my agents in Italy dealing with the military there for the most part, not local Italians, but dealing with the military. So um, I've got connections, connections all over the world um, in dealing with that and friends literally from all over the world. So um, I've seen my best friend from high school in Bermuda and been back, um, I don't know how many times. And he was, when, when I lived there, he was the assistant town crier for St. George's, the UNESCO World Heritage Site. And he actually operated and did printing on a Ben Franklin printing press. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. So it's not an operation these days in Bermuda. It's in the museum. Yeah. But nobody's actually operating it right now because there's not somebody trained. So he's been offering to the tourism thing. He's like, I'll go back and volunteer a couple hours a week and train somebody new to operate it again. Yeah. So literally take the 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 leather color covered things and would literally mix the ink by putting it together and put it on with this looks like a upside down like Moroccan drum things that they would put it on and actually put the ink on by hand from from the leather. Um he played the part of the slave. He happens to be black. I don't see color because of having lived all over the world. He happened to be black. So he played the part of the slave in the print shop. Right. He wore, you know, the 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 the, the, the typical garb from like the fifteen wow. hundreds slave outfit with the with the burlap pants and the white type flannel flannel shirt and played it up. Um and, and, and really got some people's goats because he would play it up in the slim shard and so on and so forth. And it was, it was too funny. And he also rode the big wheel bicycle, you know, the metal big wheel Ben Franklin bicycle. So it's people like that that I've met up with. And thanks to Facebook, got back in contact with and have met in person, been back to see him. And my best friend from ADAC, Alaska, which ADAC is a tiny son. If you go out the Aleutian Islands off, it's the southernmost point, and it's closer to it's closer to to continental Russia than it is to the continental United States. Okay. So, so they call it birthplace of the winds. But my best friend from there, I just hooked back up with him thanks to Facebook and found him, and we reconnected wow. when I was in Italy visiting my son and my granddaughter. Um, I had a couple days in Rome before I flew out and he lives in Rome now. So we got together and it was like, just like, it was like a long time passed, but no time passed. And we were going back through and remembering, oh, do you remember this? Oh, no, I didn't. But now that you're saying it, I do. And it was, it was, it was so amazing. Some of the school friends that I've gotten back in touch with from different years and different eons. And Facebook has been a huge boon for me for reconnecting from people in the six different high schools I went to. It's, it's been amazing. Yeah. And that's so true. Like, you know, a lot of time can pass, but you know, once you reconnect with an old friend, like it's like, it's like not even a day went by and you're, you're still best friends. Like it never, like nothing ever happened. 
Yep. I had um, my graduating class from Bermuda, we had 31. 31. So it's the smallest of the high schools I attended. Cypress, right. California <laughs> was the largest. So it was like 2,000 or something. It was over 1,000. Yeah. I don't know if it was 2,000, but it was over 1,000. It was over three or 4,000 at the high school type thing. Um, but um, so 31. So I live in, in Daphne, Alabama, which is right across the bay from Mobile. Alabama. And I'm only like, I'm less than 50 miles to the border of Florida and, and Pensacola's right over there. So okay. I'm on Facebook and here's three, three others besides me, three others. Remember a class of 31. Here's three others that are having dinner together in Pensacola. And I'm like going, oh my God, why didn't you invite me? They're like, well, we're fixing to leave the restaurant, but we're going to Tom's mom who lives just right here in, in Milton, um, Florida, which is right above Pensacola. Um, and they're like, can you come? If you can come, we're going to be there for a couple hours. So I literally finished up the one thing I was doing, hopped in the car, had the address, and, and I almost beat him there from the restaurant. They pulled up. They literally walked <laughs> in the door. And I saw the door close as I pulled up. And they're like, yeah, that was us. We just got here. I almost beat him back to Tom's mom's house, who was one of the, the seniors' moms. <laughs> we had several moms and dads yeah. and the seniors because we were all looked out for. Um, and we, we chatted about all the different things and everything for I don't know how many hours, um, you know, five, six hours till – Everybody had to had to leave because it was you know getting past midnight, <laughs> um, and, and 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 the stuff like that. So so just from from Facebook and seeing that and 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 making the suggestion and having the invite, suddenly we had over ten percent of the graduating class together. You know um, that was eighty one. So that's you know that's four yeah, years that is really cool. later. You know that's kind of cool things like that and it's like we just left high school and, and even better because of being a little more mature so some of the stuff you dealt with in high school <laughs> is like, oh my god can you believe we did that and, and different things going on and some of the the pranks and practical jokes that we did and stuff that we did in high school and some of the how do i put this the <laughs> not so smart stuff that yeah. you do when you're I'm sure. How is it like, I mean, you know, you've touched on like, you know, connecting with old friends and things like that. But how is it like moving country to country, city to city, you know, state to state? And how does that affect like, you know, you going to school and making friends and, you know, trying to adapt to the cultures of each place you're living? That that is that is the 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 tough part but as a kid you're a lot more malleable right. it's actually tougher on adults um and i we've seen we saw over the years both as a as a kid as an adult how many marriages just shattered because the spouses couldn't take um the new stuff and uh, my mom for so many years functioned um when it, my dad became a chief at four different bases she was ombudsman and ombudsman's was was a military spouse of either uh, of, of a senior enlisted um, spouse that would help, especially the the younger spouses um, as a connection to the military. So it was an official, but it was an official position, but it was a volunteer position to help 
the other military spouses and dependents with those type of issues um, because of, of things going on. The kids, it's like, okay, new kids, new kid, new kid, new kid. But so many of the places were places where it was everybody was new kids or most everybody was new kids. Mm-hmm. When you got to international, when you were here in the States, it was easier in the fact that, hey, people still speak English. Sure. You still got the 7-Eleven down the street. You still got the McDonald's or Arctic Circle or Burger King or whatever your favorite you know, chain restaurant is. But in some of these places, how do I put this with, without being politically incorrect here, is in some of the places, it was an attitude of, Mm-hmm. soldiers and dogs keep off the grass and i lived in some small places where the school kids were not allowed to play with the military kids wow it was it was it was it was it was different in the big cities it's a melting pot anyway but when you get into some of these smaller cities it was like no you can't invite the military kid to your birthday party you're not associating with them you're not allowed to play with them I got to say, a lot of the kids kind of ignored that because <laughs> kids will be kids. If they like you, they like you. If they don't like you, they don't like you. Exactly. Um, um, and just don't tell my parents that I'm playing with you or don't tell my parents that you're been over at my house or right. around here and so forth type of thing. Um, so it was kind of like the the the. The, the bad boy image or the bad girl image because we were in the new kids and the military kids. So um, there was pluses and minuses in there. Um, the minus was getting to know new people, especially when it was a smaller community and one of those communities that did have that not being accepted of, of the school kids. And the really hard part for me, which most military brats, I got to say, most don't have, is how many times I came into the middle of school years. Mm-hmm. So now you've got the class is already bonded and you're coming in and you're the outsider even for the new ones because the new ones that came in the first part of the year, they're already accepted and have their stuff going on. And when you come in the middle of the year, it makes it tough. And going in the middle of the year and then going into the summer, what are you doing during the summer and and stuff like Little League and, and any of the, the sports teams, you know, they kind of gelled and here's the new one and where do they fit in? Do they fit in type of thing on different things going on? So it was, it was interesting and challenging. Um, but again, it comes back to that learning experience. You know, you talk about ADAC, Alaska, birthplace of the winds, that was 73, 74 is I went halibut fishing with my dad, commercial halibut fishing on a small boat with my dad out in the, have you seen the crab fishing? Mm -hmm. That's what it's like. The weather pops up quick. (laughs) So imagine you being out there and doing that, but you're out there doing that. To me, it's not work. And these days, a kid, a parent might get in trouble for abusing the kid or something because taking them out on something like that as a little kid type of thing. But getting to go out with him and his couple buddies that had bought the, the, the fishing boat to do that part-time um, and go out halibut fishing. But, you know, when you have a sea otter come up to you beside the ship, it's like, this like a sea otter doing this, right? <laughs> and and they're, 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 they, you, you, they see you caught a fish and they're coming up to you. Yeah. They know there's stuff on the fish that you don't eat and get rid of. And you go and you take some of the cheeks or something that you've done off of there and you go down and, and they take it from you like they're, 
they're wild. These are wild animals, but they're so polite and like tame and playful. It's like you hand it down, they go and take it out of your hand, and then they'll wash it and spin over around, wash it, and then eat it. Then they'll come back up and look for more. So it's like, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, and, uh, but the coolest thing up there that I saw was my, they had one hooked, and the poles like this are like, this thick Mm -hmm. and they attach to a harness right and the harness attaches to the ship so they got full leather harness attached to this pole that that you're on that harness is attached to the actual ship so that's how these ships were so my dad and his buddy had been fighting this one fish for it was over an hour it could have been two could have been three i know it was over an hour it was a long long time and all of a sudden the line goes slack so we're like lost fish and they pull it up and here's a halibut head that has a half moon cut out of the end of the halibut. So you got the halibut head, you got a half moon going there. We're going, oh my goodness. And about 60 seconds later, less than a minute later, up pops a local pod of killer whales Oh my! and wow. goes right by our little boat. And, and we swear because they were squeaking and making noises and slapping their tails. Yeah. And they were um, saying, thank you for the one. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, those cool experiences that you had. Um, You know, when I was in Iran, got to see the crown jewels before they were destroyed in the rioting when the Shah left and everything went over and only came in. So it went through a civil war in Iran. Um, Got to see the Aryamar Cup, which was a premier, one of the top five horse jumping events in the world at the time. Um, got to see the Grand Bazaar, um, things like that. Learn a bit and learn, still speak a little bit of Farsi. So, um, speak fluent Italian, speak a little bit of Farsi, learn Spanish and Spanish in high school, two years of Spanish in high school. My Italian has kind of overwritten most of the, the Italian because they're so similar. Um, and a few words here and there, because of course, as a military brat, can you best guess the first words that you learn as a military brat? I uh, like how to get around and, you know. No, nope. yes, though. <laughs> that's that's the second word you learn. The first words are, <laughs> they teach you, is that we teach you the cuss words. <laughs> Guess what the last words you forget are? The cuss words. <laughs> oh, my God. So interesting as, as a military breath, but don't let your dad hear you do that. <laughs> the, the sailors and dads would swear like, like soldiers and yeah. sailors. But if as a kid you got caught swearing like a soldier or sailor, um, the results and the 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 punishment could be severe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad always said when he um, first got in, because he got in right out of high school, and he went to Germany, he was like mm, between 19 and 21 when he was in Germany. And, um, you know, obviously he was legal drinking age over there. He was not legal drinking age over in the States. And he always said he would sit in the German bars and learn, you know, German words. And yeah, he probably still knows how to cuss in German and, you know, things like that. And that's just, that's the way it goes. (laughs) I'm not teaching you any German swear words. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's like, it's. 
it's a whole new world that you live in and, you know, learning the languages and learning how to adapt and, you know, living in like these places where, you know, the U.S. military is kind of established there in like Germany and, um, you know, there's a lot of American, uh, there's a lot of American popu- uh, population right outside of those bases and on base. So yes, you're able to kind of, uh, kind of, it's not as much of a culture shock as when you would move somewhere where nobody speaks English, nobody knows the language, and you were like, okay, like I gotta figure Tehran, this out. Like Tehran, Iran, and mm-hmm. he wasn't in the military then. So that was really, really weird is being around because there were a lot of retirees that took jobs there. So they still had full base privileges and go on the base there. We had a U.S. base there. Um, so it was really weird being there as only a civilian and remembering the kids in some areas when we were overseas that wanted to befriend you because you're a military and could get could get the U.S. foods and the, and get on board the base to maybe go bowling or do something like you know, different different things that the base had, um, you know, like a U.S. team club and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, that was really kind of strange. And and um, my my grandparents would ship us a trunk every every I think it was every month or every two months they were allowed to ship us a you know a footlocker type trunk of right. stuff and we would have peanut butter and American ketchup and a lot of different foodstuffs shipped to us but the getting a chance to eat and learn the local foods and the barbary bread and you know seeing like during during um was it Ramadan one of the, the Iranian festivals is that you have a goat slaughtered right literally in the street. It could be right outside your door, slaughtered and then roasted and shared. So yeah. really a different, different, um, you know, delivery people coming by and delivering stuff or, or having a store that they would sell stuff for on a camel. Yeah. You know, different things like different things like that in, in different places that you that you see and have to deal with and, and kind of is a culture shock. It can be kind of neat as long as you keep an open mind about stuff. But it's like, really? You know, that I saw the blood and slit and now you're cooking and want me to eat that mm-hmm. or try even taste that. It can be a, a totally different what you said, culture shock. Right. And then the culture shock of coming back to the United States where it's like Oh, look, the McDonald's and a Pizza Hut. Let's go to Pizza Hut. I haven't had American pizza in forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, just those things that it's like once you, you, you know, you leave America for so long and you're like, okay, well, you know, you know, all that stuff's going to be there when you get back, or at least you hope. And you go somewhere else and you adapt to their culture, you adapt to the community you're living in, and then you leave and you're like, okay, well, now it's kind of, you know, time to go back to the normal things of America. But then it's cool. It's like you're a tourist again because you're like, oh, I haven't been here in a while. I haven't been here in a while. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's go see this. Let's go do this. You know, things like that. Yep. And being able to get stuff now and the – the, the, the 24 hour culture has taken over in like even Europe a little bit, but not as much as it is here. Mm-hmm. You know, think of what you can, you know, think of what you can get. How easy is it to go out and go to a drive through restaurant at 2 a.m.? 
mm-hmm. even in rural rural communities. I was just in Italy visiting visiting my son down there, and it's like if I had wanted some food at two a.m., I probably could have found it by driving down to Catania, which would be the, the equivalent of living in upstate New York and driving, you know, driving and living in the suburbs of New York and driving into New York City for the one place that is open serving food at 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 two a.m. type of thing. Um, getting, you know, going on to the equivalent of the freeway rest stop place to buy a soft drink or soda. One of the 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 the, the you know, how many gas stations are open close to 24 hours? At least mm-hmm. half of them out there are open 24 hours and have some type of little convenience store attached. Yeah, That's not so in, 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 in Sicily unless you're on like the major freeway type stuff. So it's like, you know, don't get a hankering to even buy a six pack of beer at, at 2 a.m. That ain't going to happen or a six pack of soft drinks type of thing. Yeah. That ain't going to happen at, at those different times. Um and learning about reposo or siesta or stuff like that, where just about everything closes down from one to four or one to five. You know, it's like um, talking about that over in Europe and in different foreign countries of still having that midday, everything closed down time. Yeah. Thing that we don't have here that we're not used to. So. Right. Yeah. We, we just like wake up and we keep going throughout our entire day and then maybe get some sleep and then start it all over again. Yeah. Let me go shop grocery shopping at 3 a.m. at the 24 hour Walmart or Target or whatever one's close by. Mm hmm. That is con- a conveniency of, you know, living over here that a lot of people don't think about when like, you know, thinking about overseas countries and like, Oh, that's not available over, you know, that 24-hour grocery shopping. It's not available. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, in Italy, pre-COVID, delivery of food stuff, of restaurant stuff, forget it. Post-COVID mm-hmm. now, they've, got, they've added some stuff like that. So there's, my, my son is like, oh, so-and-so, such-and-such, we can get delivery on that. It takes like a lot longer than Uber or any of those things do or your, <laughs> or your pizza delivery place does um, here in the U.S., but it's actually available. <laughs> yeah. So that was And a, it's things like that you don't changed. realize. Yeah. Yeah. It's constantly changing, constantly evolving. And, uh, you know, some technology is advancing for the good. Some of it's advancing for the worst, in my opinion. But, you know... You got to roll with the punches sometimes and you got to take what you can take and go from there and keep going. Uh, yeah. It's funny. That's one thing I, when I, I'm teaching, I, I'm not a real salesperson, even though I sell travel basically is, mm-hmm. is I coach, <laughs> I teach, I teach people about the travel and destinations and what they want to go and ask questions, figure out what people ask me what I like best and where I like to be the best. And I'm like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what I like best. It matters what you'll like the best. So it's asking right. questions to find that out and teaching about them. And once I teach them about it and find the right stuff, I say, Hey, which credit card would you like to do to use this for? So <laughs> it's not a typical sales thing. It's like finding that stuff and having fun, having fun in a lot of ways, doing that, helping them find the right thing and asking for the money. So when I'm teaching people and training background, because I trained for the airlines and trained for Radio Shack back in the day, uh, a long work history, but involving involving basically sales and travel, working for the airlines, travel, tra- teaching, 
is is in talking about and talking about change. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, because in travel in the airlines, the one thing that doesn't change is that everything changes, and one of the things we talk about is just because something's new doesn't make it better. Right. On the other hand, just because something's the way your dad or granddad or great granddad did it and it was good enough for them, it's good enough for you. That's not always true too. So mm-hmm. all these people um, that I know, they call me the why guy. I want to go to Tahiti on my honeymoon. Well, why do you want to go to Tahiti? Tahiti? Why did you say Tahiti? What's the experiences? What's the activities that you're thinking of when you're thinking Tahiti? Right. So I look for the whys behind things are being done. And it brings you back. Did you ever see the cartoon Valley of the Dinosaurs? No, I did not. Animated cartoon. You can find it on Nick or something. Watch it. It's, 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 um, your age may know Land of the Lost because of the movie, which was a comedy. This was an animated cartoon that was, was of a modern family that wound up back in with a prehistoric type family. It, something happened, they wound up in this valley that had the dinosaurs and had the cavemen. And there was this head-shaped rock that fell off of, off of something and broke in an earthquake. And the prehistoric family said, oh, my God, we've got to replace that because it's bad luck and all this stuff going on. And the modern family said, yeah, 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 so what, you know, kind of stuff. But we'll help you because it's your belief. They helped them. So they had an arduous journey and had to avoid, you know, dinosaurs that were tracking them to go to this valley, that place that had the, this, the, the headstone type thing to go and replace that. And it turns out that that boulder that was sitting on top of this thing was plugging a spring. And if it wasn't plugging that spring, could have potentially flooded the whole valley and flooded everybody. So as they were putting back up, it started doing, it started spewing out the water. And they were able to figure out, because they were geologists, the modern valley was geologists. And they took a deeper look at it after that. And they realized that, that that had happened many years ago. And that's how they basically dammed up the spring from flooding this whole valley area. So they found out the why behind why that boulder had to be on top of that pedestal all these years when the cavemen people had forgotten why that needed to be there, but knew it needed to be there. So it's kind of cool. So you can find out the whys behind something, the how and the what becomes a lot easier. For sure. Yeah. And that's that, that's that new versus New versus old thing. Um, Because sometimes there's a new way to accomplish what the original old thing was being done. And so that's part of being that military band traveling all these different ways and cultures is just because something's new doesn't make me like it because it's new and better. And just because Mm -hmm. it's always been done that way doesn't mean that's the way it should still always be done. Exactly. For and sure. that goes, that kind of answers your question in more detail than you even want. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, like it's seriously, it's crazy, you know, the way that things happen and the way that things work out and, you know, just going from there for sure. 
So let me ask you this. Yes. What's your, I'm turning around the interview here. What's, <laughs> what's your favorite story from your dad as a Navy brat? Navy brat. Overseas mm. brat. So he he spent a lot of time at Patrick Air Force Base. Okay. And so he spent a lot of time in Cocoa Beach and going to the beaches. And um, he saw so many rockets take off from, you know, Kennedy Space Center 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 and things like that so i always love hearing those and you know that's probably one of the things that he talks about the most for sure is seeing all the rocket launches and all the test rockets and all that good stuff that's cool yeah, yeah. I've, I've been i've been in seeing that shuttle launch actually at one of the travel agent trainings um port canaveral um actually i won a, one of the, the prizes that we had for attending the the training on port canaveral and it's it's medallions of all the shuttle launches mm-hmm. that I have. I don't want to try and pull it off, but uh, <laughs> no, I'll, you're I'll fine. You. Oh, yeah. But it, it's kind of cool. Some of those things that you're dealing with and, yeah. you know, um, you know, I was in Washington state at Edmonds, Washington at high school um, when we had the eclipse during the middle of the day in the school thing. And that was cool being in, in, in math class when it eclipsed and came over because I was in the right spot for the full eclipse um, on that one of the full eclipses Um, 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 in Bermuda we had the NASA tracking station so anytime one went up when we were in high school we would see it and know that at the beach that we swam and and played at at at, uh, at lunch um, those of us that had um, mopeds, um, which you probably heard of, the pedal has a motor, yes. it still has a cycle, 50 cc's. Those of us that had mopeds in a seat, we would duck down at lunchtime to the, the Coconut Cove on, on the base, private beach, right next to the NASA tracking station. So you would see this stuff. And um, it, was, it was real. Talk about those unique experiences. As long as we were on our moped when the first bell rang, we could make it to class. <laughs> Couldn't be still on the beach, but you could, if you were on your moped driving, you could still make it to class before the second lunch bell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we had people would be sitting on seats that weren't really designed to be seats to be going back. Uh, Cause yeah. somebody would take a hankering, not get a ride and hey, I need a ride back. You put them <laughs> on your, uh, um, have them sitting on what would be like the, 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 the book or package, the, not a seat, but a, a platform that's designed for you to put packages on and be sitting mm-hmm. there and, and, and taking them back to the, to the school on stuff like that. The ones who didn't have scooters and stuff like that would, so that little international thing. So those are the type of stories that you that you, you get from being around. You know, um, I told you some of ADAC, Bermuda. I told you some of of, of Tehran, Iran. Um, just some you know, different things that are going on. You know, um, in in England where we spent the time. You know, the the local pub and you know play the. Home fruit machines are like a slot machine, only they'll have some games mixed in where you can win some money too. So it's got the gambling, but then it has some skill games mixed in that you can try and win too if you win prizes that are that are kind of cool. And seeing you know Big Ben and the the um, 
the Tower Dung Vision and going to, you know, one of the Agatha Christie plays down in London, the live plays. Mousetrap. Yeah. Um, um, I remember one of the times I was visiting up there and was in London going to visit my, my, my parents that saw Madonna's first movie that she was in. Saw it live wow. before it was in the U.S. They had released it overseas before they released it in the U.S. Cool things, really cool. cool, 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 cool. Different things going on, um, just, just cool different things that happened in, in different places. And then in the U.S., you know, Ferndale, California, one of those places in, in Northern California. And here's something you'll look up: kinetic sculpture races. Okay. In Northern California, it's it's art that you human power and they have a long race and they have a short race um they have a long race that includes a trek across salt water it's a bay not the open ocean but it's down there in california across a bay area to go across that you have to get it across so you've got sand and land and concrete to go across and uh they, they do that and it all sprung out of a famous artist and you might have seen different versions of this, but it was Stan Bennett and he created these kinetic marble machines that you could either crank or would have a crank that has the, the marbles or the wheels or the balls that go in or go through. He's the one who created them. There's some other people who do them now, but if you see some of those, he was the one who created that there in Ferndale with his kinetic art. And so I actually, my mom has a mouse collection different sizes, stuffed little ceramic ones all from all around the world. And I went in and collected because he was always looking for scrap metal of things. And I collected several things of scrap metal, including an old set of roller skates that was dead. It was the old metal ones. You probably don't even know these metal ones that you <laughs> use a key to put on your on your on your your feet to skate around with. Um, so I had those and I collected a bunch of other scrap metal and I brought them in and said, look, I got this. And he's like, well, what do you want for that? Because he would pay kids to do that. I'm like, I want a birthday present for my mom. I want a kinetic mouse. And so he made a kinetic sculpture mouse that you turn the little thing and the tail goes back and forth like this. Wow. So it's one of her cherished things because it was a commissioned work of art. Not thinking about it. I wasn't even high school age that then I was... That was junior high school age, fifth, 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 fifth slash sixth grade time frame that I came up with that idea to do something that I was able to get mom something really special that she's gotten in highlights from mouse collection now. So, wow. so seeing that and going in and watching him making these things that would do are just, it's just some of those things are, are amazing that I've got to see in, in different places. Um, that is really cool. You know, so. Yeah. So cool stuff, and then going back and seeing stuff, and and um, and calling Washington State home because that was where I was born and where my grandparents were. Because every time we came back from overseas or long stays here, and and oh, dad's not stationed, or we don't have housing there yet. Where did we go? Went to grandma and grandpa's house on Lake Sammamish. Um, and, you know, it's like okay, we'll spend the summer there while dad's getting into this new thing and getting the house set up and getting the things go before we fly there so it's like i can't tell you how many summers i actually spent up around or with my grandparents in on lake sammamish and so mm -hmm. it's really cool i've been back recently and seeing the changes of what they're going going on so cool things 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing so many amazing stories of your growing up military child. So mostly positive, but you you hit on there are some challenges and a few negatives, but mostly positive because of, you know, and, and obviously I'm sure there were more negatives at the time, but you tend to forget those things because you remember the yeah. stuff that sticks in your mind isn't the, the negative stuff tends to be more of the, of the positive things. Um, for sure. With everything. So thank you very much for doing this. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a good day. And say hi to your dad for me. Um, and I got to say, your dad's just a Facebook friend that I met on Facebook because of the military and the brats, the, the brats background. So I have one final thing to end for you. Yes. What is our, what is the overseas brats official, unofficial flower? Oh, I have no clue. The dandelion. Okay. Think about it. It grows, yes. it gets planted someplace, it gets transplanted someplace that could have come from miles away. It grows, and when it blossoms, what happens? You have it go out and go everywhere. So the dandelion. That's really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.